We're talking Mandalorian Season 3. This is Fandoms, Episode 13. Popcorn rice, I Want to know some more fun facts? Isn't it awesome to see some of your favorite content creators and favorite people, honestly, you follow here on this app, be a part of this amazing community called The Nerd Initiative. Welcome to Fandoms, a show from every fan's point of view, brought to you by the Nerd Initiative Network. Here's your hosts, Tony and Michael. All right, Friday, March 3rd. Uh, we are episode 13 of Fandoms. Michael, how are you doing? Good. I feel like uh, 13's not that lucky a number, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's the 13th episode on a Friday, but it's not Friday the 13th, so we're good. Um, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to be talking Mandalorian uh, Season 3. Don't worry, we're not going to do that until uh, after we go over some nerd news um, and do some of our segments. So if you have not seen um, Episode 1 for Season 3, what are you doing with your life? Um, go watch it and then come back and... Uh, well, no. Watch this until we give you the spoiler alert, then go watch it and then come back. Um yeah, but we've we've got some we've got some nerd news now. Uh, just to let everybody know, we did start a new show, I guess you would say, last week. Um, so on the weeks that we don't have fandoms, we're gonna have nerd news. It's not gonna be fandom supplemental nerd news, you know, counterpart yeah, due to popular demand, basically. Um, yeah, not even that. It was more of just trying to make sure that we don't go so over that. People just don't want to watch a three-hour show. <laughs> I mean, but I, I just I just wanted to stop getting emails from people being like, you know, when are you going to spin off news? When is this going to be its own thing? Like, you guys, like, we we need this. It's super important. And I was like, look, if it's like doing a civic duty, like, we should, you know, it's fine. I mean, I, I we will we'll we'll be martyrs. We'll do it. It's fine. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to see our faces. We, Glorious we'll, we'll purpose. Yeah. Yes. Um, so speaking of that, we're going to get ready to get into nerd news, but I want to go ahead and I, I feel like Pooja sometimes and her picks get kind of thrown later on after we've talked for four hours. So I want to go ahead and go ahead and give her uh, the first stab at what's going on this week. So Pooja, take it away. Hello, everyone. My name is Pooja and I'm here to bring you the latest in movie news. Let's get into it. Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre is an action comedy starring Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, and Hugh Grant. The film follows an elite spy who must track down the sale of new weapons technology and put an end to it. But in the process, he finds he must team up with a Hollywood celebrity in order to save the world. Creed 3 welcomes back Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed while also bringing in Jonathan Majors as Damien, an old friend from the past. Adonis may be at the top of his game, but the boxing world is never without its trials and tribulations, and that becomes clear when he must settle things with Damien. The story of Ghostface continues with Scream 6 as we follow four survivors of Ghostface antics who leave Woodsboro to start a brand new life in New York City. Let's be honest though, Ghostface is never too far behind when our characters find themselves fighting for their lives against a new killer. Well, that's all we have for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Back to Tony and Michael. I, I, love, I love the recommendations. I didn't even know about the Jason Statham movie. So. Screams, scre well, first of all, Scream Six. What's yeah, uh, and it's in the city this time. I mean, I'm glad. Look, Hayden Panettiere is getting work again. That's really good to see. Um, I've missed her a lot. 
Courtney Cox, always a pleasure. Um, or some of the other faces that we saw in there. Uh, so I love that. Oh, and then the the actress from uh, Wednesday is in there as well. And oh yeah, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Ortega. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and speaking of movies, since Pooja did a great job on that, if if you if you've been waiting for you know the best movie of I guess the decade, um, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish is out on Blu-ray and digital. Nice. Um, so don't don't forget to look up that. Um, you know, I've 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 heard good things. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but my kid wants to watch it. So we'll Antonio Banderas is a treasure, clearly. Uh, and he's yes. found a nice little secondary career being being puss. Yeah, uh, and you know, you know that a movie is coming out because they start using the audio on TikTok a whole lot. And there's that I'm not good at math thing is is all over no. the place. That and also I don't know if you've noticed this or it's just because I'm on the weird side of TikTok. Um, there's a resurgent uh resurgence of celebrities doing home videos, reenacting scenes from the princess bride. Really? Like it's, as you wish. And Oh yeah. Like Pat Oswald's involved in it. Jack black. Um, Seth Rogen's gotten in on one of the scenes. Like there's a number of, uh, of, of actors that have just kind of jumped into it. And I'm, I'm here for it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Pat Oswald, uh, Pat Oswald plays. Um, oh, the Sicilian. Uh, what was his name? Um, Fezzik. Um, the one who drinks the poison and dies. Spoiler if you haven't, you know, watched it since the 80s. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> wait, no. Uh, is, is, he's, is Fezzik the one inconceivable? Oh, no, Vizzini. I'm sorry. It was Vizzini. You're right. Yeah. Because I was say Pat Oswalt would be great as the it's inconceivable guy. Um, yeah. That And then you have, who's Inigo Montoya? Um, oh, dude from Rogue One. I forget his name now. Uh, uh, Diego Luna? Yeah. Oh, that's great. In one of the scenes, he, he plays Inigo Montoya. Um, and then Jack Black p- plays um, Wesley as he's climbing up the rocks. It's of course, it's, it's it's stairs. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, I I was showing my wife it a lot uh, this evening just before she was falling asleep. So I don't know how much she actually paid attention, but that's pretty much how she watches movies. So we're good. But uh, to not delay, let's go ahead and get into some nerd news. Couldn't couldn't avoid doing that. I, I just I'm a fan of that well. intro. I, I approve that intro. Yeah, until somebody does something better, that's that's where we're going with it. Um, and so yes, we are going to be talking about some nerd news now. If you did not get the news from last week, it is saved, and you will be able to look up that because um, we had some really interesting stuff going on last week. Um, but this week we've got all new stuff, and let's go mm-hmm. ahead and get started. First up. Disney's Peter Pan and Wendy. Um, we got our first trailer and we also have a premiere date on Disney plus of April the 28th. Um, we got to see um, uh, Yara Shahidi as Tinkerbell there mm. on the right. Um, the one thing that really concerned me about this was Jude law as hook. Um, and I know some people have said anything. I'm, I'm willing to just kind of wait and see some, someone said that they were, they weren't trying to give him too much time just so that he didn't look scary. I've always thought of hook as being like flamboyant and, and outrageous. Yeah. And it was just weird to see him so dialed down. Um, but of course it's Jude law. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm willing to wait and see how it's going to be. What are your thoughts? Uh, 
All like, right, I've, moving I've on. They've done this so many times. I mean, I'll watch it, and that's that's. I'm I'm sorry because I think JJ's like really excited for this, and so I don't want to temper. Um, and I I do agree with with Mickey. Jew Law can do anything. Um, who's old I enough to like, remember? I'm excited. <laughs> who's old enough to remember? Was it the mid two thousands when Jew Law was doing everything? Remember when he was like his Alfie days? He did Alfie. He did Closer. He had literally like was that had that run where he was like the man of the year and did like, and then he kind of burned out after that. Um, so I, I actually probably Jude Law is like the biggest excitement out of this for me and Yara Shahidi, who I like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I just feel like the story has been like told. I mean, how many times we've seen this? Like we need new content people. We need new stories and ideas. That's where I'm coming. Uh, but that, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, as my my trademark says. That's my last thought, and I'm going to shut up. You know, um, I think it was 20th Century Fox before they, you know, way way before they were bought. They did a Peter Pan, which was actually um, I thought was pretty good. Um, what I thought was really interesting was literally the scene where Hook had captured Tiger Lily, mm-hmm. and you hear Hook talking to Peter, and Peter's mimicking Hook's voice. If you closed your eyes, that scene, even though it wasn't done by Disney, the 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 sound of Hook and Peter going back and forth was 100% out of the cartoon. Like it just it felt like the cartoon's energy and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, and then of course we had that the that movie of where I don't even know what it really was trying to be um, with Hugh Jackman in the movie Pan. Oh, yeah. Where all of the pirate ditties were like old, like old, like hits. Um, you had you had smells like Teen Spirit at one point. Like it was, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, y- you're right. It's done. It's been done a lot. I I almost kind of wonder if like at some point the guy who did Blood and Honey is going to do like a horror version of Peter Pan because I think that would be the only like remake of this film that would probably be interesting to watch. Um, but am I going to watch this? Absolutely. But we'll yeah, see. I'll watch it. I mean, I think also like it changes, like, I think there's something that like, if, if you're a parent, right. It's, I totally agree. Hook was peak, you know, Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, um, hook was great. Um, I think if you're a parent, there's something like, you know, the story that you always want to get where you're, you're sharing with your kid and you know, there's that error. But I think, as someone who is not a parent yet, um, I I've been there, done that, seen it. I'm I'm kind of over it. Like there is something about like I I will tell you right now. When I became a dad, it was only just more excuses for me to watch these movies because I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, I had all of my I had Wally, I had Cars, I had all of those movies way before my kid ever existed. And it would just it just legitimized like people go in like, oh, you have all these Disney movies. Yeah, but I have a kid now, so it's OK. It doesn't matter if I bought them for five or ten yeah. years before he was born. But, you know, um, I also think there's something to the fact of like. When was so Peter Pan and I've seen the movie with Johnny Depp that kind of goes into the backstory of the writer of Peter Pan, right? Um, oh, Finding Neverland. Yeah. It was written, what, in the early 1900s? I think that's another thing, too. Like, this is, again, if you know the business of, of movies, and then we can move on to the next topic. 
just they're just trying to reuse the IP because it's famous IP. I also think the, the movies that you mentioned, Cars, Wally. When I have a kid, that'll be a blast to watch. You know, those are fun, new, you know, inside. If you want to have a tearjerker inside out, you know, all these different things. Yeah. Up. I think Peter Pan's just it's just kind of like a it's a fun story um, to watch once or twice. I think now if you want to go into different angles and whatnot, I I bet you in the past 20 years, we probably have at least half a dozen iterations of this story. Um, you know, if you start with Hook and then you get Finding Neverland and then you get the Hugh Jackman one and then there's another one. And, the, you know, so I think it just goes on and on and on. And so, yeah, I mean, this I, I'll definitely watch it. Um, it's just I think people are really craving, especially with streaming and whatnot. They want fresh stories. Um, well, I think I think that's what worked for for Guillermo del, del Toro's uh, Pinocchio because it was different from the norm, and it was right after we got a almost a almost a carbon copy of the cartoon from Disney, and then you had this this different darker Pinocchio that kind of went that direction. That's why I say like the Blood and Honey director or the writer, if they ever you know adapt Peter Pan, that's gonna be where the money is because it's like you have this, you have this kid that can fly and can abduct other children. Like that's, that's horror like incarnate. Let's go for it. You know? So you never know. So James Matthew Berry, who wrote Peter Pan, um, Peter, Oh, Peter and Wendy 1911. So we are, that's a 115 year old story. So while it is timeless and classic and, you know, still, I'm sure still holds true today. I also, I don't want to be a story snob, but yeah, I think we need new stories. <laughs> I agree. So let's go and move on. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about Star Trek discovery. Now this is something that I haven't watched. Um, but just to kind of like, you know, share the news, um, Star Trek discovery is going to be ending the series mm-hmm. on the fifth season, which will debut next year in 2024. Um, I, from what I understand, this is one of the longest running, um, streaming shows, especially for CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I was waiting I heard- for that. JJ, JJ's a huge Star Trek fan, JJ's comics. And so I can imagine not excited about this, but again, the, but at the same time, a lot of people are saying, okay, you know, we've had, we've had stuff and Picard is ending soon. Um, we're, you know, we're on our final season of Picard, which I honestly, I'm, I want to get into Picard cause I'm a big next generation fan, but I haven't mm. touched it yet. And I heard like the first couple seasons, the first two seasons were like really waning. And now this season is really, is really good as they're ending it off. Um, mm. and I kind of, I kind of am wanting to get into it because I know it kind of continues on because I really enjoyed the, the next generation movies. So, I, I, I am I'm I'm glad that that continued on with something and I will go back and watch it. But of course, Star Trek is a, is a, is a property that is not going to go anywhere. And so I imagine we're going to be able to see, um, you know, another another series coming very shortly, um, maybe a spinoff from Discovery or Picard. Um, so we'll see. But but definitely, definitely worth mentioning because there are people who love it i i was much more of a star trek fan than a comic book fan in like the late 90s Mm. early 2000s just because that was what i was like consuming and i was i was a fan of the jj abrams um 
uh, remake because it was a parallel universe or parallel timeline. Um, and which um, I forgot about Chris, that. That was actually cool. That Chris, was a cool story arc. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris Pine actually has recently come out because they've been trying to make another movie. And he's like, the, it's, he feels like the series is just cursed at this point. Um, I will say, so with this in mind, um, not Chris Pine on, on the 13th episode, Chris Pine talking about things being cursed. I, I, I think I'm more for this than I am Peter Pan because I think with Star Trek, and we've talked about this in previous shows, they tend to break barriers um, with their shows. So I know in past Star Trek seasons, they had, I forgot her name from Orange is the New Black. She was one of the first female captains. Um, then you have uh, Sonequa Martin-Green here, who obviously is the captain. And then you have, you know, Wilson Cruz. Um, I'm seeing Anthony Rapp on there as well. Like, so I, I every iteration seems to be pushing the boundaries and the limits. Um, so these things I'm, 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 in support of uh and i'm looking at the ratings too really highly it's in the rotten tomatoes 85 percent um google 87 percent. so uh, it's it's probably a really good show i do think five seasons is a good run um so yeah hats off to them and hopefully they continue i, I think like i said star trek always is creative with their iterations and stuff like that so i support if something's coming out with different things that we haven't seen before um that's great i think that's you know, that's what we need. Absolutely. So something that you may have been aware about, Michael, because of D23, um, we did recently just get some images as well as a trailer for the Haunted Mansion, uh, Disney's uh, movie, which this is the second movie um, that is being done as an adaptation to the ride at Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, and Disney's where they have a, a Haunted Mansion. Um it, it it definitely looks interesting. Um, I I I believe Jamie Lee Curtis is in this, but I don't really feel like we saw her in the trailer because um, I think she plays like Madame Leola or whatever. Mm. Um, and then um, can I just first comment? Uh, Danny DeVito looks really good in this film. Like like he looks like young and happening. And maybe it's because say, of what like, does always... Danny DeVito not look good in. Uh... Well, he kind of looked like, like it's always like the like the always sunny like Danny DeVito, where it's kind of like a little bit off. But I think that's just the character. But um, he definitely I, he definitely looks in good form, and that's all I'm going to say to it. Um, and of course, or Owen Wilson, you know, being that he's you know right now with Marvel, uh, obviously he's going to be able to get you know casted into movie other movies in Disney, um, since that's always a thing. And so he seems to be the very interesting uh, priest um, that's helping out with the exercising of the, the, the haunted house. Did you, did you watch the, the announcement when you were there? D 23, a little bit. We were, I mean, D 23 was, uh, was nuts. Um, so we were on one side and the other side. And I remember when the announcement happened, it was like on the opposite side of the whole convention. Um, they were doing a whole theme park situation. Um, so I, I saw a little bit of it and there was a lot of buzz around this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's something interesting. I can't say I've seen it before. And it looks like a very different, unique take. Um, mm -hmm. And a little fun fact here, because I'm looking it up. Um, Danny DeVito is four foot ten, which is just treasure. National treasure, my friend. <laughs> um, 
I also forgot that he and, he and Rhea Perlman uh, split in 2017. So I'm seeing that as well, but still doing his thing. God bless him. He's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, um, something that just to be aware of, if you didn't know this, uh, Regal Cinema is actually doing a promotion right now, starting mm. today until the um, the day of the Oscars. Um, you can go to uh, a Regal Cinema, which they're closing a lot of them, but if you can find one that's there, um, they're they're going to be playing the best. Was it the the uh, the nominated best picture films? um daily now it it there's multiple right. options per day um it varies by day so each day it's different it's never gonna be the same i remember looking at one of the um one of the theater locations everything everywhere all at once should be in every single day honestly um just by name alone but it's it's on there twice there's a couple others that are on there twice um, but you can that. yeah but you can go and watch that film for six dollars until the Os the day of the oscars um, it's the modern day version of the dollar. Remember the dollar movies when we were kids? Um, yeah. And I was just thinking we need something like that. Again, we haven't had that where. I mean, things have gotten so crazy with prices and and then we had COVID and then we had all these these issues. And I, I, I've, I've said for the longest time, I think Regal and uh, why am I drawing a blank on the other ones? Um AMC. Regal AMC. I mean, AMC is revamping what they're doing. Yeah, and at some point, AMC is just going to be starting to sell their tickets on Ticketmaster because um, with the with the the different tiered seating arrangement is. I I don't know how I feel about that. It, I you can always tell when a company is really grasping at straws and struggling. They're just throwing stuff at the wall, and I'm clearly we had issues during COVID with movies. Um, but even before that, I think, you know, wasn't AMC already struggling and like there was that whole, yeah. obviously the whole stock situation, <laughs> you know, hodl. For, uh, and I, I, it, that was interesting. I think it is very tough to compete with Cinemark is what, you know, Pooja mentioned. And then you have, I think, Cine Bistro and then you have iPick and then you have these places that aren't much more expensive where you can sit down, be comfortable order food and have an old experience. And it's like, I think it's like $20 a ticket, um, which is basically the same thing <laughs> as, as anywhere else. Uh, so I do think they need to do something unique and new. And I was just thinking about this from a business perspective. There needs to be a, a kind of dollar movie experience um, because I remember how much fun that was to go as a kid and like my mom would take us and like, you had the stale popcorn and you, it was, it was a much lower grade experience from, uh, you know, whatever, but it was also really good time. So I think there needs to be kind of like that. If, if that's a play they're doing. So I don't know. I've, have they done this in past years or is this the first year we're, we're seeing this or. Um, I think they've done some similar things. I know one of the things that Regal has, has done a lot of is they've leaned into the, um, the watching the theater uh was it like fathom fathom films where they were they like they'll they'll um they'll they'll show like things like hamilton or phantom of the opera um or they'll or they're also really big on like revamping and 
like doing a rescreening of, of of Back to the Future, or they're always grasping for something to kind of put butts in seats to kind of bring things in. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit different than I would say, um, like AMC. AMC, I, I don't see that as much. I do, I do know that they they do sometimes offer things, and I think the big thing that's that's working for AMC right now is they're offering merchandising in the mm-hmm. in the um the theater so like the big thing popcorn buckets yeah uh, yeah which, not saying i'm not you know um a victim of that but then you have uh they have like actual merchandise like like t-shirts and cups and bowls and all these things and um they've also kind of they've, they're working on their dining experiences and stuff like you can go to amc and get gourmet popcorn uh where it's like you know, like salted caramel or cookies and cream. Yeah. Um, or like what they did with me in Quantumania was this stupid, um, <laughs> it was almost like a boba tea icy. It was, it was literally uh, like berry. It was called berry blast. It was these, these things like you get like a like sweet frog where it's like these juice balls that you, when you, you bite them, they pop and they put them in watermelon icy. And it was the most amazing. We literally, we got to the night of the movie and then we went back for my son's birthday. And I was like, you know what? While we're here, while we're shopping, I'm going to go back to AMC and I'm going to go grab another one of those ICs. And I end up mm. buying two more. Yeah. So, you know, like, th- like they'll do that kind of stuff, those offerings. And then of course I, I think the cinema experience, like you've got the Dolby cinema, um, the, the Dolby vision um, at, at AMC's and I think AMC works a little bit more with like the um uh like the early screening stuff and everything trying to get you mm-hmm. know people to rent and the rentals uh the the theater rentals are a big thing for them and I know other places do it but AMC really is pushing it yeah yeah I mean that's look that's how I got engaged I was <laughs> renting at a movie theater um so yeah, I mean it's 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 you got to create an experience, I think, and I think if if you fail on that, you can't just fall back these days on being like, oh, people will come in, especially with COVID. Um, it's we're living a whole in streaming, we're in a whole different environment, so you definitely have to upgrade that experience, and that's the biggest thing. And so, I am I'm all for stuff like this. I think this is cool. I you mentioned the retro screenings too. I think that's fun if you weren't able to do it, like. I remember the Godfather came uh, came back in theater, and I think I saw Clockwork Orange for the first time in a movie theater. Um, okay, obviously I'm, I'm definitely not that old for when it came out, so I saw it. It was like an anniversary piece, and so it was kind of cool to watch that. So I think they're, they're yeah, and it's good. They're not just resting on their laurels, which is nice. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of this. Absolutely. All right. So for Marvel Comics, Marvel is actually announced. They've done a trailer. If you go to Marvel.com, you can actually find this information. Um, there is a new Guardians of the Galaxy series, uh, uh, well, uh, run that is uh, starting in April, um, April the twelfth. Uh, in that matter, uh, many of the Guardians have returned. Uh, you'll see uh, Nebula, Gamora, Mantis, Drax, and Star Lord. Um, and it looks like they're, it, it seems like very much of like a, a, a frontier type thing where it's more mm-hmm. discovery. Um, but there's, there's something wrong with one of the members of the guardians of the galaxy. Um, and it's, uh, it is, uh, Groot. Groot is the problem and it is a warning for Groot fall, which I have no idea. Like I was, I was researching this and I'm like, 
because I I read a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy, and then when they split in like the 2015 run, I kind of lost interest because like at one point Kitty Pride's in there, and and you had oh, I Venom. hate when they do I hate like, when they do that. Stuff. You, you had you had Flash Thompson as Venom in there, and then like there was like this whole storyline where Venom like goes back to the source, and you find out that Venom was actually um, the reason why Venom the way it was the way it was was because there was, it was like it was like corrupted. And so it went back and like it, you saw like a venomized Groot and a venomized rocket. And, and, uh, and I was just, I, I stopped, I stopped the story. Cause I was like, I, I can't keep up with this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does kind of look like an overwatch Guardians of the galaxy crossover. I agree with you, Pooja. That's, that's hilarious. Um, it also looks like a mortal Kombat rip off the art. Um, first thing I thought of when I saw Gamora was like, what's that guy from the original mortal Kombat with the six arms? Uh, like the, the Oh, Goro. Goro, the pen, the pentultimate uh, villain, not the number one, but he's the guy to get to the guy. And you knew Capcom was struggling with their characters because they just put hair like long hair on Goro and made the free, female version. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm glad to see the Guardians back together. Um, I don't I don't know what's going on with Grootfall because um, there's like Grootfall and Groot Space, and I'm like, okay, what, you know, I will probably tune in to read this. But see, my favorite run will always. That? Um, oh, um, where's, where's, where's JJ? This is the, this the is under. I I I I I got this. So so this run is under Colin Kelly, Jackson Lanzing, uh, Lanzing, and Kev Walker. There we go with Ken with the, yeah, uh, it's not bad. Um, Beat me like by five seconds. Groot fall. Yeah, they did. Um, they did. They, they did. Uh, Captain America: Sentinel, Sentinel of Liberty. I think it was. Mm. Um, so yeah, what, what, I mean, it'll probably get me want to read it again. Um, but uh, see, my I loved the Guardians of the Galaxy way before the movies came out. Like I, I, I didn't mind the improvements to the uh, to the way the characters looked after the movies because, like, even Star Lord, Star Lord, like. Um, his, oh, the his, original Star Lord. I mean, he, I mean, he looks the original Star Wars Lord. Um, is it from Marvel previews? Uh, that's, I mean, that that art for that is uh, it's really funny. And he wasn't, yeah. he was definitely wasn't a guardian to begin with. Um, it was like the man who stalked the skies, and he, he looks very, it was like the 70s, right? Um, yeah. Marvel preview number four. Uh, Marvel Pre presents, and he looks like, you know who he looks like originally. I've always wondered um, about this. He looks like the guy from um, uh, Zack Snyder, uh, Watchmen, uh, Owl Man. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I can see. And that. he does not. Yeah, they definitely. I, I mean. Look, classic is classic, but they definitely improved on the uh, the Star Lord look. Yeah, the the uh, the the comic update from the MCU was definitely was definitely needed. Uh, but I loved that run. I loved I loved. Um, there was a whole run where um, the uh, the guardian, like uh, what was it? Um, Star Lord and Drax are in a completely different like dimension with with Thanos, and you can't die. And so literally they're just killing each other, like all like it, it just irritating. Like it, it, it was just, it was just the, the most, it was just the most fun like story. And then you have like the whole time where like, like star Lord's being like, um, is being like tortured by Gamora because 
she realizes that he spared like Thanos's life. Like there's, there are all of these different things that I just loved about like the characters and the, the thing. And then there was that moment where Tony Stark went into space and that was, I was okay with because um, he was knocked down a couple pegs with, uh, with Gamora. So um, it was, it was definitely an interesting story, but I, I'll, I'll watch this. I, I, I'll, I'll read it. I'll, I'll, I'll probably, you know, be in line to, to, to get a copy of number one. Um, Good fall. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that part, but I just want to see the guardians together. Hopefully Adele does the theme song to Gert fall. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And it's all, I am Groot. She's just singing. Also, I am Groot in different. Why terms. does Groot look like a, like an ant or a praying mantis too, in this art? Like, doesn't he kind of look like, he's Oh, he's the, no, it, like for what, from the way the, and I'm, I'm sorry. Cause the, the way I, the way that it, it edited this, um, it's it, he's, he's giant. Like it's almost like it's from what I was from what I pictured of it. It's kind of like a Galactus version of Groot, but I don't I don't know the whole. Yes, Tony did. Okay, paperweighter Tim is talking about when Tony Stark got uh, was in space with the. He was extremely humbled. Let's just say, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go read that comic. Go back and read. Yeah. I think it's like the twenty thirteen, the twenty twelve, twenty thirteen run. Um. So it's like it was right before they came. Literally, the Guardians of the Galaxy were only like this version of the Guardians team that we see in the movies was only out for like, what was it, eight or nine months before they even started writing for them? Like, um, oh, yeah, they they were they were a very early in the comics. It's kind of like Kamala, uh, Kamala Khan, when you think about it, because like she's only been around since like 2017. Yeah. So well, they're, 20, they're, no, 2014. Well, the original Guardians only appeared at the end of Guardians 2, like the ones with Stallone and right, Stakar Miley, and Miley Cyrus and, and, um, and Martin X. And um, which, if yeah, you didn't know, Martin X is played by Michael Rosenbaum, who was Lex Luthor on Smallville. Yes. Everybody was, doesn't know I was that. I just about to look up all the actors that were at because I know Miley Cyrus. Michelle Yeoh. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. That's great. She um, plays two characters in the in, in, um, in the MCU. Um, she plays one of the guardian or one of the, the Ravager team. Um, and then she plays, uh, the aunt for, for Shang-Chi. Hmm. Shall you have. another one of those like ones that's just like catching later in life. <clears throat> um, I, and I think we're all here for it. Like it's, it's great. Like Michelle, Yeoh, just, I mean, she kind of, was it crazy rich Asians is what was like, not again, she's been acting for a long time, but like, one of the first like i want to say modern mainstream ones that and that kind of like catapulted her and she's really just been just like steamrolling the industry ever since well yeah and i think that was the thing i think i think crazy rich agents also gave this idea that you didn't have to stereotype you didn't have to st uh, do stereotypes with mm -hmm. with with a, with a people group um it, it's it's funny because if you think about like how we progress from there like Crazy Rich Agents gave them gave gave more complex uh, story and it was very well done. I think it, it, it helped spawn a lot of people's careers or just continue, you know, lining the pockets of some of them. Um, and then like uh, it, it, it's even like little subtle things like we didn't have a yellow, a yellow tent lens on the Egyptian scenes in Moon Knight. Mm. Because yeah. you, you realize they always tented. They always attended Egypt with a with a yellow lens. Is like, that such, I mean, is that a is that a like a categorizing grouping thing, or is that like uh, someone came up with the bright idea of like, hey, to show how hot it is, and they're like, we got to put a, a 
a, a layer and a film over it. Um, I mean, I wonder what the, 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 I wonder what the backstory of that is. And I know we're getting off topic, but the last thing I will say is I, <laughs> I listened to, it was for Tribeca Film Festival one year, JJ uh, Abrams spoke. And I love these, like, this is way off topic, but I love these storylines. Do you know why? So obviously for people that know JJ Abrams, like his, his signature is the light flare. Um, and so he was like the way he was explaining it. And I, I mean, at this point, whatever he's like, my it's, it's, it's that the movie is so powerful and there's so much power. It's like coming off the screen. And he was saying like, I think it was star Trek two, where he got a lot of backlash. The second star Trek. There was so much. There were so many life. It was like, it was like, it was like there was lens flare. Oh yeah. yeah. And then there was, then there was cast members. Like there, like I think the lens flare flare had more time on screen. Oh yeah. Like, even super eight. Like and it he, was just like, Oh yeah. And he, he admitted he was, so he was interviewed by Chris rock, which is imagine that uh, for Tribeca. And it was like Tribeca talks. And I remember him saying, um, I mean, those, those are great. Like we just got to sit and watch them, them discuss like their, their careers and stuff. But he said, he's like, yeah, he's like, we realized at that point where we were like, this is getting ridiculous. And they stopped it. Cause they were like, it was just everywhere. Um, <laughs> but he, la- at least he laughed about it. And it was funny. So I, I wonder, I know that's a long way to get back to this, but I do wonder like the yellow lens. Is that like with some directors, like bonehead thing to be like, how do I show how hot it is <laughs> in there? Like years ago. And they were like, well, just make it all look like yellow. And it feels like it's the sun. And I don't know. I think there, I think there was something like there was something that was that was put in. I remember a lot of people were happy that it wasn't put into Moon Knight. I think the the concern is can I it gives it this foreign this foreign feel, and mm-hmm. they, they again, it's like if you put what do we always say? You you put you put a person in the wrong lens, and the, like it's it's a saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we cast we cast this concept, and then people go places expecting something like that, and. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, we're, we're, we're in the 20, we're in 2023. We should be moving on from, from, from doing some things that people think were appropriate. Like, you know, people playing Asian characters that weren't Asian and, and oh, vice, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know, I digress. What know? was the most, I mean, like, if you think about like, honestly, movies that aren't that ancient, like everyone, everyone always brings up breakfast at Tiffany's, but that's at least like what, 60, 70 years old. What was, I mean, we got soul man, so we got uh, C. Thomas Howell doing blackface, which is that's what, 30 years old. It's not 30, 40 years old. And then what was something recently I was watching where I was like, how did this get made or or the part of it? Like, how did this make it pass? And it was like, I think it was like a 10, 15 year old movie. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, how is how did no one raise their hand to say this is a terrible idea? We should not be doing this. Or or you would have you would have a, per, you know, a person of color that was a token character. Like they were just they were just in like I I, I was going back because, you know, my kid Wally liking Wally um, and a byproduct of liking Wally. My son also likes Hello, Dolly, because wow. they use the they use the music from Hello, Dolly a lot in the film. And so we watched it. And there is there is literally only one black person that I saw in the film, and he's he sings at like the big you know the big dinner near the end, like yeah. that's that, I almost feel like I you know they probably thought oh we're doing something here that you know this is something great no it's not it's it just you're 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 basically you know devaluing people by saying that this is the only thing that there mm. would be worth for doing, but it's like it's like we could go on for a while. So let's go. Yeah. Ahead and 
Yeah, let's let's move on. We'll shut up now. Um, but for those of you who um, who love horror and have ho- been hoping to see characters like Freddy Krueger and Jason and um, and Ghostface on 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 a movie screen, uh, Dead by Daylight is going to be making a movie. Um, the 2016 video game, um, and I'm 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 all all satire of what I just said. Um, this game was, was designed as a horror film, a survival, uh, survivor game based off of the, the, basically the, all the movie tropes of, you know, you've got to survive the killer by de- by daylight. They had a bunch of original characters, but then later on dead by daylight got a lot of licenses. Um, which is why I joked about the Jason Voorhees and the, mm. the Freddy Krueger, cause you can play those characters and, um, they are James Wan and Blumhouse. Um, and if you don't know James Wan, Conjured, Conjured Two, Annabelle, James Wan's great. All you know, all of the he's he's done a lot. He he he's done a lot of horror. Some some great, some not so great. I, he he did. Um, there was another one he did recently. Um, when I was on the real study, we 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 reviewed it. Um, I can't remember what it is now. The void it was the void. Um, it was really creepy. He did a lot of action too. So it's not just like these are the conjuring and stuff like that. He was a big action guy for a while. He did, didn't he do? He did do one or two fast movies, right? I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Yes, yes, he did. I think I think he stopped, you know, messing with it after I think the fifth one. Like he was in it until the like Let's he see. Did James Wan. He is. Yeah, I mean, oh oh, did he do Megan? No, he did Megan. <laughs> The movie that I told Pooja I, that I would absolutely not see. Oh, he did Aquaman too. Um, oh. Not Aquaman too. Aquaman also. Sorry. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I mean Aquaman too, which I'm really excited about. I mean, I can't wait for that. Um, what? There's. What else is, yeah, he did. Oh, he wait, did, there is a second movie coming out. He did Furious Seven. Yeah. He does. Yeah, I guess he did do a lot. So there's a yeah Jigsaw, which you know. So there's a couple saws in there. <laughs> Um, yeah, he likes to do a lot of random stuff. There's definitely a lot of sca- I always thought of him as more as an action guy, but I guess he has Mortal Kombat. I guess he really has done more gore and horror than than action. And I guess must have been because of must have been Fast Seven, you know, the, the unforgettable, you know, legendary Fast Seven, um, that he did. Um, I guess. I, you know, I, I read him the wrong way. Sorry, James Wan, that I thought you were more of an action guy than, than yeah. a horror man. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going back to your roots. This is yeah. great to see. Yeah, and then he didn't do Fate of the Furious, which is why I kind of didn't care about the movie, I guess, in a sense. Um, but uh, it, for those of you who were wondering if you have ever wondered what ha- what would happen if Dora the Explorer had to deal with Xenomorphs, um, <laughs> just looking at you're that. in luck. You're in luck. Um uh, of course, uh, 20th Century Studios is making a alien film. Um, and Isabella Merced, who also played Dora the Explorer. Um, I always want to say Dora the Explorer, but it's Dora the Explorer. Um, she is going to be a part of the film along with uh, Kaylee Spaney as the leads. Um, this is being directed by a Fede Alvarez. Ridley Scott is producing, but not directing. And before you get your hopes up, this is continuing the prequel story with Ridley Scott. So, and, what? and here's the thing, this is the thing. Um, oh, so like we Prometheus, had, like we had Prometheus, we had Prometheus, we had covenant from what I understand. I, the rumored, I, I watched covenant. It, it the, was just like, so 
I whatever. And it's another Michael Fassbender was in it. That's like that was my 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 sale. Um, but um, according to this, so we've had Covenant, we've had um, Prometheus, or I'm sorry, Prometheus. Is Fassbender still in there? I mean, I remember he was like a droid that was killed, but then he like. But then there was there was another version of him, and then the other one that it's a long story. Um, this movie is supposedly being called, uh, and this is rumored. I think it's Alien Romulus. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll watch it because I'm an alien fan and I am a glutton for punishment. Oh, I'll um, definitely watch it. It's just like, it's again, like this is another one where it's like, and, and no offense to anybody who, again, people that like it. Yeah. No offense. Right. Um, but it's also like, why? Why? I so- honestly, I honestly feel like at this point, the story that the the, the the looming idea of the space jockey in the first Alien, which we now know are the engineers, um, I feel like it kind of like it's gotten muddled. It's almost like a Terminator Genesis type thing. Like it, it oh, yeah. I don't know. Romulus, <laughs> they stole it from. Listen, Star Trek stole it from space. Okay, it, it you know it's one of those. So isn't there, isn't there a Romulus like? I'll, I'll lighten up this this movie that's gonna also just be terrible. But I'll lighten that up with the with the the best story I can tell. Um, so James Cameron, right? He, he wait, was he involved with Aliens? He did Aliens. He did Aliens. Yes. Aliens. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So after Alien success. There was this whole like meeting at um, the the studio to talk about like what movies would be successful and come up and whatever. James Cameron walks over and there someone had Alien. It was like a poster or whatever that was like, you know, past whatever. And he's like, I got an idea. And he writes and puts a dollar sign after N for like an S. <laughs> and he goes, Aliens. And then he it makes it a dollar sign and then they made Aliens. And so there's, there's, there's and your... I'll- there's your reasoning behind it. There's there's the reason for for these continuing to to be to come out, and that's all I have to say about that. There's now this might be a hot take. I believe Alien was the better film, but I love Aliens more. Okay, Aliens. I don't know what it is. It's like I can want. I I, w- I would have to beg my cousins when they came over if my mom didn't go with me. When we went to like th- this is gonna date me. I, I I hate saying this. When we would go to Errol's or or <laughs> Errol's before it became Blockbuster, um, I would I would beg them to take me because I couldn't check it out myself because I was under I was under seventeen, mm. um, and they were like, "Are you sure?" And I I probably rented rented that movie more than any other movie that I've ever rented. Like that movie, as soon as I could own it in my collection, I owned it. And I own it on Laserdisc, Blu-ray, and DVD. It's a good, it's, they're, they're really good movies. And I, I, you know, same thing with the Terminator movies, TNT too. And then they, and then they, there's nothing after that. that and then they exist. butchered the, the crap out of it. John, well, it was, <laughs> John. at some, at some point, the Terminators need to come back in time and stop them from making more Terminator films. That's all they yeah. should do. John Forget Connor, John Connor. Terminator at one point. No, I'm not. Yeah, and let's you, talk about burying no, I'm the not lead. Giving you a stupid spoiler warning for that, like that, like whatever. No, listen, is. you don't have to spoiler warning it. They actually revealed that in the trailers before the movie came out. I don't remember that. I John Con- They literally showed John Connor as a Terminator 
in the trailers before. Okay, we, we're going to keep moving on. And it, it's like, so let you know, it can't get any worse than having another Aliens film if it's going to be bad. Oh, wait, yes, it, it can because there's going to be a series. Well, I, this is where I'm actually not against. If you're going to create IP and you're going to use intellectual property to make money and like, you know, whatever, just make it a, make it a darn series. Like, it's fine. Like, we'll watch it. These movies that are god awful that like you're just doing it either to, to extend the license for people that don't know, like the reason why the Spider-Man movies keep getting rebooted, even when they don't do well, is that like I think depending on the deal you, you strike, IP usually is, is like a patent. Like if you lose it after seven years. If you don't if you don't if if you actually if you don't use it, you do lose it. Um, and so that's why the Spider-Man movies like Sony will never let that expire because it is the most valuable IP in the world by far, bar none. So this is fine. I mean, I'd watch this. It's fine. And whatever. Uh, but the movie that's continuing this and then it's, it's like, it's almost like fast 10. Like what, like what? Like at, at some point Dom is going to come out and is going to be on and, and, and do it. It's, it's going to happen. You know, we're going to have the Fast and Furious going to be fighting aliens at some point. Um, uh, just a quick, quick correction. Uh, JJ said Romulus is uh, planet and species in Star Trek, but Romulus is also the name of an emperor in Rome. That's where they got the name. It's allegedly founder and first king of Rome, Romulus. So being Ridley Scott and everything else, that would be where they kind of get the name from because um, it makes, you know, no sense whatsoever. Prometheus, um, I think was a was a Greek reference or it was a Ro Roman reference. Well, I mean, um, so if we want to look at the other end of it too, right? So, prey was a new way to bring in the Predator series, right? Like, essentially, right? Like, not not crossing paths with, with this, right? Yeah, with predators, yes, yes. So, I mean, well, I mean, I would. <laughs> We have Alien versus Predator, you know, it's fine. And then there was what the comic book in the 90s and the 80s. It was like Batman versus Predator. That was oh, that was a great one, actually. Um, so I think oh. I, we're going to get some comments on that one. That's a fan favorite. Um, but I think, like, again, like, if you were going to do it, do it. Just have a new air to it. Like, have a, a nice, fresh take on it that we want to watch. Like, obviously, Prey was a was a, a resounding success. Um, people love it. And so, yeah, again, that's where I think, like, it's it's yeah. so weird because if you really go back and think about it, there's really nothing new. Um, the word pre the term prey for a predator film immediately like I remember back in the 90s reading a um, reading a predator novel. It was called Alien versus Predator Prey. And like literally one of the characters in it was so okay, so the Aliens versus Predator movie, the first one, um, the 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 female lead that ends up, you know, basically, you know, earning her rights as a predator, um, she is very similar to the character in alien versus predator prey. Um, mm. But what's funny is with this film, with this, uh, this series on earth, you you everyone can hear you. Or are you talking about the comic was the, the no, I'm talking about the movie. I'm talking about the movie. Yeah. It was um, uh, wait, the one who earned it. That's not wait, that's done is um, cause she's, Oh, Sana Lathan. She's great. So yeah, when you said yeah. that, I remembered like who it was. But yeah, continue. Sorry. But if you go back and read the novel, like she's her her, her character is very similar to um, that character in the movie. Um, now they're taking from this series that this is the first time aliens have been on Earth. Mm -hmm. They've been brought to Earth. So 
That means if you weren't already confirmed that they're not going with the canon of Alien versus Predator and they're throwing that out, I'm sorry to let you know they're throwing that out. Alien versus Predator is not is is not canon to uh, I, I'm so tired of talking about canon um, is not canon. When, when did, when did that not become when did that stop being canon? I, I think the day after it came out, I try to do like a fake. I'm tired. It's been a long week. I'm tired. I try to do like a fake, like excitement or interest in the fact that Alien vs. Predator wasn't canon or you know whatever. Did you ever like, watch Requiem for a Dream? No. Oh no no. Re- oh Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Requiem. No, I did not watch that one. <laughs> you're you're not the 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 Pred Alien that was at the. Oh my goodness. No, I did not watch that so one. much so much. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's going to be a series um, with this series. Um, now, th- there is some positives. Being that it's a TV series, there is a potential that they are going to use more practical effects than they are going to do um, like CGI, which in that case, they have the ability to do some of the best suspenseful horror with the aliens and bring it back to its its roots, which could be a yeah. very good thing. Um, this is going to be this is being written and produced by Nola Hawley. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Disney is, uh, basically officially saying that this is not, uh, that the AVP movies are not canon to this stuff. So, but that's, that's it. Um, one I love, last, I love, wait, wait, I, I, wait, wait, time out, pause, take it back a second. I love how you, the authority on this, which obviously the uh, studio owns everything, but you're like, Disney is saying. Would you ever thought Disney is gonna is gonna be the authority on Alien versus Predator? Like, where oh, did that come from? You have, you have Mickey Mouse. Oh, we're, we're not doing this one. <laughs> like, it's just so it's so weird. But okay, <laughs> listen. When you've collected all of the studios and the properties like Disney has, all you have to do is snap your finger, and they, it's not canon. Um, I keep thinking about those the, those memes that they used to have, where it was the the Infinity Gauntlet with Mickey, and it's got like you know Lucasfilm and. 20th century studios and Marvel and yeah. Pixar. And oh well, they're God. redoing all the comics too. I mean, but that's, they've, they've had Marvel for 20 years, but or 30 years. Right. Um, but they're redoing all the classic comics with like the Mickey characters too. And I, 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 I bought. And so I, I, yeah, I, I, I got, they got me hook, line and sinker. I think, I, I think I got the, the, the Mickey with the infinity gauntlet on, on the cover. I'm just like, whatever, I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah. But let's go ahead and leave this on a on a positive note. I have one piece of news that you didn't that I didn't give you on the update when we were getting this started, and that is that if you did not know, Detective Pikachu is getting a sequel, and we do have a, a director attached to it now, um, Jonathan Crystal, who is the um, creator of Portlandia. Uh, that's okay. all I know. I've, I've not seen it, so I don't know anything about it. Um, is Portlandia the or or the I, I didn't know about Portlandia at all. Oh, great show! Uh, why am I blanking on the the the, the duo? Um, oh, come on! Hold on. Help us in the comments. Uh, oh man, I'm I, I'm I'm literally gonna kick myself. SNL star Fred Armisen. So it's Fred oh. Armisen and Carrie Brownstein. Um, they're great together. Uh, and then you have Kyle McLaughlin as the man. It's, it's a really, it's, it's in a, I think it's an acquired taste. Um, it's very, very, very like, it's very Fred Armisen. <laughs> like classic. It, it's, it's like textbook Fred Armisen. Um, I've actually been to an event 
where Fred Armisen was the musical guest. Um, he's just like zany, weird, and out there. Well, I also think he's what he's the musical act for. Is it for what? Um, Seth Meyers. Um, you've lost. You've lost me. I think he's like the. You know how like the the shows always have like a music. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Brent, Brentford Marsalis and the Tonight Show Band, and you know they have whatever. Yeah. Um, Fred Armisen is is the musical like front man for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Like just a bizarre thing. I mean, he's obviously a multi multi talented guy, like writer, musician, actor, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Portland is great. <laughs> All right. if they do a, a portlet it fits right in um with this whole storyline so um I'm, I'm game for that yeah well, that's, that's great so that ends our new segment i'm sorry i had to be cheesy and do it no, that's um, good this part of the I show is also very good. excited that it was under an hour, which is epic. We just made it by two minutes, you guys. We did it. Um, the show's not even over yet, though. That's the problem. Um, but just to let you know, this show has been brought to you by Nerd Initiative. And if you want some of the merchandise, by all means, we would love to have you check it out. Um, you check out our, mix, uh, our merch store and see some of that amazing swag. And if you send a picture of it to us, we'll look at it. We'll post it. Wait, let, let's 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 make it clear now. You guys send us pictures and post pictures. We will show you wearing our swag for sure. Even the even the ones we've sent for free, which has been mostly mostly all of our swag. Um, so yeah, send us some stuff we'll, and we'll share it. Be great. <laughs> so um, so on top of everything that we're doing, we also also have another uh, another character segment uh, brought to you by Paperweight Entertainment, uh, Cell Phone Wallet Keys, and the Caption Life. Um, they've done a great job with these these things, and of course, this one's a special one because it's actually the anniversary for a special character. Mm. Iron Man. Thanks to the success of the MCU and the career-defining performance of Robert Downey Jr., most people have a pretty firm grasp of the character of Tony Stark and Iron Man. But here are some things you may not have known. Tony Stark has died or faked his death nearly a dozen times, including once killing Iron Man to absolve himself of any wrongdoing during his armor wars. The most controversial of these deaths came when it was revealed that Tony Stark was a sleeper agent put in place by Kang the Conqueror during the formation of the Avengers. After killing three people, including Rita Damara, Yellowjacket, the Avengers recruited an alternate timeline teenage version of Tony Stark to help battle Iron Man and Kang. At the sight of his younger self, Tony gained control of his mind long enough to sacrifice himself to stop Kang. Iron Man's armor once gained sentience. After being discovered to be Iron Man, Tony relapsed into alcohol once again. After a drunken fight with the Mandarin, Tony suffered a heart attack and the armor flew him to safety. Initially believing that a living armor could be a benefit, Tony worked alongside the suit. 
However, the armor became more and more aggressive, killing at will, and Tony realized that he had to put an end to it. During the final confrontation with the sentient armor on a desert island, Tony suffered another heart attack. The suit sacrificed its own existence to its creator to craft an artificial heart that saved Tony's life. Iron Man once battled Doctor Doom alongside King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. When Tony discovered the illegal sale of his technology to Doctor Doom, he confronted Doom in Latveria. During his attack, Iron Man and Doctor Doom were flung back in time to the days of Camelot. Iron Man joined forces with King Arthur and his knights, while Doom made a deal with Morgan Le Fay to lead her undead army. After LaFay's defeat, Doom vowed vengeance on Iron Man, but agreed to a temporary truce and, using components from both of their armors, the two built a time machine and escaped back to the present. Iron Man celebrates his 60th anniversary this week, and whether he's battling supervillains or his own demons, he has been entertaining readers since 1963. Happy anniversary, Shellhead, and here's to another 60 years. Awesome. Amazing, amazing. Um, I love the, the doom, the doom aspect of it too. Because I mean, it wasn't until the scene where it's like, oh, they sacrificed parts of their their suits. So I'm like, man, they had so much in common. I mean, I mean, there's a couple of iconic covers that come to mind with Iron Man battling off against Doom. But yeah, uh, that, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a reason why he's one of the most popular. Marvel characters, and there's a reason why Doom is one of the most popular popular villains. Um, and those are those are some of the, the the very interesting ones. I mean, there's even like the Extremis storyline. There's um, the Darkhold suit. Like there mm -hmm. are there are there are so many versions. Like with, well, with Tony, like things that like Tony did really well. Tony did terribly. I mean, you know, we've had him as AI. We we got yeah, you know, Iron Man or Captain Marvel knocked him into a coma and. <laughs> and then there's the whole the whole thing where he loses his um his his, uh, his the what, Stark Industries because uh, they find out that he's potentially either a clone or he's a robot, um and he can't he can't be like sure if he's the original Tony Stark, and so he loses his company for a time. And that, of course, there was like right after the whole um, what was it Secret Wars, uh, the last Secret Wars that they had where where Peter Parker was richer than Tony Stark. So crazy great. stuff. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Well, Spider Man is Spider Man is very rich. Not gonna lie. Yeah, rich in problems. Um, I'm actually surprised <laughs> that he's only. So what that means is, so Iron Man came out after Spider Man because Spider Man celebrated his 60th last year, right? So because we, I, I mean, that was the big thing at Comic Con. So Tales of Suspense. 39 came out that's that's really surprising i thought yeah i think i think no because i always thought that he was like not older because he's older but i always thought that he was i mean it's funny when you think of those silver books like what the timeline is but that's really, yeah march 1963 I, i'm that's a new thing to me as a co as a vintage comic fan who loves it i can't believe spider-man was before iron man that's bizarre that's that's crazy to think of um yeah. 
because I mean, Fantastic Four was the first, the first real. It was the first team, but it was also the first real heroes that came from With problems. Silver Age Marvel. Yeah, well, Silver Age Marvel. I think like the Stanley era. Like we have different human to torch in the Golden Age. We have Namor, which is the same Namor. Um, you know, same. Yeah, which guy. which surprisingly Namor predates like timely in a sense because Namor wasn't originally a Marvel a Marvel property. It was a it was a um, it was part of like a whole group of of of, of comics mm -hmm. that were being marketed to theaters. And so when you went to the theater, you were gonna get this free this free pamphlet, and in it was gonna be uh, Namor the Sub Submariner. And um, when the movie theaters decided not to move forward with the comics, the guy who had who had the rights to them didn't want to just throw it away and not get paid for it. And so he literally went to Martin Goodman and said, "Hey." I'll sell you these. And he basically sold them for really cheap. But then Goodman gave him like a, a small salary that he would come in weekly to pick up like a thank you payment um, for these, these characters. Wow. And then later on the guy like regretted even selling them and wanted to keep them um, because it was, it was, uh, it was Namor and Kazor. Yeah. Kazar. Yeah. Kazar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kazar. And, um, and they, and, and Namor was, you think Namor is problematic now? Namor was just like he hated Earth people or oh, yeah. Earth, Earth oh, yeah. people and just killing people and destroying things, and it was it was interesting. Yeah, and he joined together with Cap and other people for to to fight, you know, Hitler um, and Nazi Germany and whatnot. But other than that, he was just he really was a villain uh, sometimes. Um, <laughs> But even the Human Torch, the first Human Torch was an android. It was bizarre. I mean, those stories are bizarre, um, but amazing at the same time because it's just again, these are, that's eighty years ago of history where it's just cool to think back and look at that stuff. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Tales of Spence Thirty Nine, that there, you know, we talked about this a while back. There was a a major auction, and one of them, one of the pieces of original art that was sold, I think, it was sold for well over a hundred grand. Was um, the original art of when Tony gets the shrapnel in his heart um, from, from, Oh from, wow. Uh, yeah. But the problem with that piece of art is um, I can picture it in my mind's eye, you know, it's black and white because obviously it's the original art. Um, and so you see this, like he's wearing like a hat, you know, it's, it's classic, you know, sixties attire and stuff. And so he, that happens, but um, I think it's the Mandarins in there and he is, we talked about racist, um, you know, things changing. It's bad. And so whoever, I think I was talking to Derek about this. When we were talking about, obviously Derek's a huge Iron Man fan. I'm like, whoever has that, it's, it's, do you put it up? Do you not? Like in that same, it is a very, very racist depiction of, of that, you know, part of the world. And so, but it's, it's history. Um, and it's super cool because it's, Iron Man's first appearance. But. Well, even like even like when you saw like they like uh, when Tony was in the in the cave building the suit with Ho Yinsen, um, like oh, it was yeah. very the stere the stereotypical look and like it was like so under occupation of the Vietnamese and like it was it, it 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 fed into the the era and of course that's the great part about these these stories. Yes, you acknowledge them and like especially like uh, we, we we talk about representation and we talk about like addressing things. Um, one of the one of the things that I thought was very classy about Simu Lu. Uh, when he was, uh, you know, when he does like his um, his signings and stuff for Shang Chi, he will not 
sign mm. certain runs of Shang-Chi because yeah. of how racist they are. And and they tell you that ahead of time. And it gets it, it sparks that conversation, which I think is which is I think is very important. Yeah. Um but, first but appearance of Shang-Chi is incredibly racist. Um yeah. and I think it's another one of those like Marvel premiere things. Let me see. Um it's uh one of those those compilation books. Uh Spe- yeah, special Marvel edition, uh, which features uh, the hands of Shang Chi, um, master of kung fu, and it is about as stereotypical as possible. And wait, so Derek jumped in. Wang Chu is the- so it wasn't the man; it was Wang Chu is the villain. Um, it was a North Vietnamese warlord. It is bad. If you Google Tales of Spence Thirty Nine, and you'll see it's like it it is on par with Mickey Rooney Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, depiction like he's just animated and it's literally ripped from stereotypes and it's but you know again this is 1963 so this was still back then it was uh, yeah 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 i i agree and it's one of those things where it's it's very interesting yeah um it was very interesting that um you look at the stories and you you see where they've they've come from Mm -hmm. and then you see where they've gone and I think I think a lot of the the um, the writers and everything they kind of learn over time. Um, I think I think that's the part. It's progress. It's just like it's just like with yeah. the MCU with Marvel Studios. Um, they played they played it safe at the beginning of Marvel uh, of the MCU, and they you know they tried to make a formula that worked. They were avoiding certain things. So I think that's why we didn't get Black Panther early on because when 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 Marvel mm-hmm. first proposed the MCU um, to what was it? The chase bank, I think it was, or to Citibank. Um, Black Panther was on the cover. Like he was first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and they were, they, 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 they wagered this, this bet of the MCU on these properties. They would, if, 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 if the MCU wouldn't have worked, Marvel would have never been able to make another movie again. Like it would have, it would have been in the hands of somebody else. Yeah. Someone else would have had the rights. It would have been over. Um, but again, even even though they had these properties and they went to run with them, they waited so long to bring these characters in. Yeah, that yeah. you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you learn from it and you do better and you have better representation. Um, and you know, we're 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 in a process process of of progress. Yeah. Um, but we're we're also we, we want to talk about something else tonight. Tonight we are um, we want to we want to touch on the Mandalorian season three. Um, there's a lot to cover. It was a lot in one episode. Um, we're going to do some spoilery stuff. Um, but before we do that, we're going to let Mickey take over and give a great breakdown on the history of the Mandalorians. Once I can get it going. What's up, Phantoms? It's your boy, Mickey, also known as Cell Phone Wallet Keys on social media. And with season three of The Mandalorian underway, I thought we would take the time to talk about the current canon history of The Mandalorian people up till now. So what we know about The Mandalorians in the current canon starts back in the animated series, The Clone Wars. The Mandalorians originated on the planet of Mandalore, obviously. And these early people lived in tribes, which evolved into clans and then houses. Kind of think of Game of Thrones with House Stark and House Lannister. Having the right last name made a big difference. Clans were in perpetual conflict, which led to advances in combat skills and weaponry. 
As Mandalorians began to expand and conquer surrounding planets, they formed their own system. Even with this massive amount of real estate, power struggles were all too common. Even Mandalorians venturing far away from the system to outside worlds couldn't escape the feudal and warring ways of their society. But no matter how far off they traveled, they remained a closed off society, keeping their culture and drama to themselves. Eventually, Mandalore expanded so far that they ran into the Jedi. And these two cultures mixed like oil and water, and the Jedi-Mandalorian Wars began. The Jedi's lightsaber training and force capabilities gave them quite the upper hand against the Mandalorians at first. Mandalorians began mining for a special ore on their planet and their moon, Concordia. This, of course, led to Beskar, an extremely light metal that could withstand a direct lightsaber blow and could be passed along for generations. It was also around this time that the first Mandalorian had been inducted into the Jedi Order, Tar Vizsla, who also crafted the Darksaber. Vizsla would obviously leave the Order due to the wars, going home to lead his people and form House Vizsla. And if that name sounds familiar, it should. You've already met heavy infantry Mandalorian Paz Vizsla. So between the aftermath of the Jedi-Mandalorian War and constant conflict between the clans, the planet of Mandalore was left uninhabitable. To continue surviving on their home planet, they had to build dome structures that could support great life support systems. And for almost the next thousand years, clans continued to war with each other. And over this time, leadership became weaker and the Darksaber was lost and forgotten. So a few years before the events of Episode 1, a new government would rise to power in Mandalore, the New Mandalorians. This was a democratic group trying to steer their people in a peaceful direction. And as you could imagine, this was difficult. It was very difficult to consolidate power. And so began the Mandalorian Civil War. As you can imagine, the Jedi were interested in a peaceful Mandalore, so they sent Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi to the planet to assist the new Mandalorians. This would actually lead to Kenobi forming a romantic relationship with the leader of the new Mandalorians, Duchess Satine Kreese. So with the help of the Jedi, the new Mandalorians were able to win the Civil War and ban the opposing clans to their moon, Concordia. The most important of those clans being Death Watch, led by Pre Vizsla and Duchess Satine's sister, Bo-Katan. But for once in the history of Mandalore, things were flourishing in a peaceful era. Duchess Satine was a smart and educated ruler, and her negotiation skills were good enough to keep them neutral during the Clone Wars. But soon the Separatists would make a move for power on Mandalore by funding Death Watch. And with the support of Prime Minister Almec, Death Watch would make an attempt to remove Duchess Satine from power. This gave Death Watch a strong claim to leadership as they had three things going for them. They had a Kreeze as their lieutenant, they had a Vizsla as their leader, and that Vizsla was in possession of the Darksaber. As this conflict raged on, Mandalore's power struggle became an opportunity for another power player, Darth Maul. Maul saw Mandalore as an opportunity to exact revenge against Obi-Wan Kenobi and his former master, Darth Sidious. And as the leader of his own crime syndicate, the Shadow Collective, he made allies with Death Watch. The results of this union were the death of Duchess Satine and thousands of Mandalorian citizens. The Shadow Collective betrayed Death Watch, and Darth Maul killed Pre Vizsla and claimed the Darksaber and leadership of the people of Mandalore. And no longer being a neutral system, Mandalore became a battleground in the Clone Wars. Hurt by the death of her sister and swearing that no outsider should be allowed to rule Mandalore, Bo-Katan created her own freedom fighters, the Night Owls. They set out on healing Mandalore without compromising their proud ancient ways. Eventually, Ahsoka Tano would join Bo-Katan and her freedom fighters in reclaiming Mandalore. 
Ahsoka would even help negotiate support from the Galactic Republic. They would ultimately defeat Darth Maul and his Shadow Collective, but during the battle, we saw the rise of the Galactic Empire. Palpatine was now Emperor, and Mandalore was under his control. With the opposing military might of the Empire, Mandalore could not oppose this occupation. Palpatine chose a Mandalorian, and Gar Saxon, formerly of Darth Maul's Shadow Collective, as his Viceroy to cement Imperial authority over Mandalore. Most Mandalorians harbored ill will towards the Empire as this new era of peace was being violently forced upon them. Even so, the Mandalorian people were resistant to join the Rebel Alliance as they were not fond of uniting under one banner. But with the presence of Sabine Wren among leaders of the movement, there were sparks of hope. The Wren clan, with the support of Fen Rao and Bo-Katan, managed to unite the Mandalorian people against the Empire. In the climax of this battle, Sabine Wren defeated Gar Saxon in battle and claimed the Darksaber. With Imperial rule on Mandalore broken and her people free, Sabine Wren had no interest in power. She handed over the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, who accepted it willingly. But the Darksaber must be won in battle, and the consequences of this were prophesied by the Armorer. Mandalore will be laid to waste and its people scattered to the full wind. And that's exactly what happened. The Empire returned in greater numbers, led by the ruthless Moff Gideon, and bombed all of Mandalore in what is known as the Night of a Thousand Tears. Mandalore was decimated in every way, causing the Great Mandalorian Dysphoria. What little Mandalorians survived scattered across the galaxy, living in small converts and laying low, like the Children of the Watch, led by the Armorer on the planet Navarro. It was clear that Mandalorian culture was at risk of extinction, and they would have to reinvent themselves. During the Clone Wars, Death Watch had already began the practice of adopting outsiders into the Creed, calling them foundlings. One such example of this is actually Din Djarin. And with their numbers dwindling now, they would begin that practice again. Now foundlings, even those of alien species, would be the future of the Mandalorian people. Now a new battle for the control of Mandalore has been set in motion. News of the defeat of Moff Gideon at the hands of the new wielder of the Darksaber is headed to Mandalore. And he just happens to be an apostate. Din Djarin may just be seeking redemption for himself, but Bo-Katan, the Children of the Watch, and Moff Gideon all seek the power to control the future of Mandalore. I hope you enjoyed that little journey on the current history of the Mandalorians with me. Uh, again, my name is Mickey, also known as Cell Phone Wallet Keys. I hope you have an amazing night. And Phantoms, I love you. You're looking beautiful, baby. Back to you, Tony and Michael. I feel like we should be start. We should like have called that like breaking down the Mandalorians with our Star Wars historian. Like, like that yeah. was that was good. That was really good. Um, Professor CWK. Was that Professor CWK? I like that. No, that was really good. Uh, it's good to it's good to kind of know. I mean, man, there's so much history behind it. That's what Star Wars is is great with doing. It's mm -hmm. like all the backstory and the and the winding side tales, and you know, and yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a lot. Well, it's that time. We've actually done really well with with uh, with our time frame, so I am very happy to do this. Um, so, if you are sensitive to sounds, please plug your ears. And now you have been warned. If you have not seen Mandalorian season three, episode one, you need to get out of here. You need to go, go watch it. Um, kiss your kids and watch the Mandalorian. Um, it's not super long and it was actually very good, uh, but mm -hmm. we are going to talk about it. We're not going to hold back on, you know, discussing what we really it was liked. like a 35 minute episode, right? It wasn't yeah. long at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we, 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 we found, um, 
let me ask you, did you feel like that, that opening was a bat was a flashback at first? Yeah, actually I did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was. And then I realized I, it wasn't. I really thought that like, there was a couple of things I was struggling, I was struggling with like the, the heavy gunner Mandalorian. Like I was, I was like, how old is this dude? Like if he's with Din Djarin as he's a kid and then. Well, that's what we thought. We all thought it was Din Djarin, right? Like that's, and I was like, oh, cool. They're showing how he he came to be. And then you're like, wait, no, he comes in and saves the day, essentially. And then, of course, no one wants him to save the day because he's an apostate. Um, yeah. And which is. Uh, we'll we'll see. The question is, will season three end with him bathing in the waters beneath, you know, the service of Mandalore and being yeah. reborn? Probably. Right. I mean, um, or not. Actually, no. Nah, I don't I, I pull that back because um, <laughs> there could be some kind of alternate thing where he's like, I don't need it. I'm a Mandalorian at heart. I don't need to bathe in the waters. And, you know, this is the this is. The, and he's like, this is the way. So, I mean, that could be another way to end. Yeah, like you literally he gets there. He's about to dip his toe in the waters. And he's like, no, no. And then just walks away like that would that would be pretty. That would be pretty, pretty, pretty tough. great. Um, no, but so we we have the the ritual, just like Mickey said. Um, the numbers had dwindled when we when we last saw the armor and that heavy gunner. Um, there was just the two left; all of the others were gone, and um, we saw them in the book of Boba Fett. Now, um, from what I understand, the way they've they've described this from episode from seasons one and two happened in the span of years. And then from season two to season three, there's a, I think there's been at least two years uh, because Grogu was with Luke's um, Luke for two years in training mm -hmm. um, until he went back with him during the book of Boba Fett. And so there it's not a surprise that the Mandalorians have grown in numbers, um, not a lot of numbers, but at least enough to have like a, 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 a semblance of a group. And um, they're and fight, they're and fight a dinosaur that comes out of the water, you know, that's... yeah, like a giant Like, and of course, you have. Um, I feel like we need more dad jokes in in the Mandalorian because I feel like they're they could have easily opened, um, because it was a giant alligator. Like when he killed him, see you later, alligator. Like, like, yeah. like I wanted that because of course the whole that's using your head. Like, come on, I mean, like I know he's got he's got Grogu now. He's gonna be a dad, so he needs to do the dad jokes. Um, let's also let's let's loop people into where this takes place too, because we talked about the time frame. Uh, you mentioned obviously Luke post was it post uh, is it post Return of the Jedi Luke? Right, it is right. Yes, like it's been building. Yeah, the Empire. Jedi. The Empire has broke been broken down. The Empire is in remnants. Um, it is theorized that Grogu, what they were called, they, they were the, the empire, the, the remnants of the empire were, were calling for, um, was this idea that they were wanting to maybe, you know, harvest like that DNA that would help them in building what we would know as the future Snokes and Palpatines Palpatine. yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so there is that possibility there, um, and um, the, the, the course on the Republic is intact. Um, mm -hmm. You still have this is this is fresh enough from Return of the Jedi that there are still outposts that are being occupied by the um, uh, by the Empire, um, as we saw yeah. throughout seasons one and two. And and there are even like, let's say, new patrols with the with the uh, the rebels in the Republic. Yeah. 
I mean, I always, that's always good to kind of like keep that in mind. Cause I think there's so many things that jump around and go where, where, you know, especially in the star Wars universe, it's good to know like where this fits. Um, but yeah, solid first episode. I think, uh, I actually don't even need, think you need really need a spoiler. Do you? Um, I think it's just an, it's a nice scene setter for the season to come. I don't think anything incredibly major happened. Um, love to see Carl Weathers back. Um, that's really, you know, great to hear. They also, I think the thing, the story that I saw trending everywhere was um, that they finally mentioned where Cara Dune, um, you know, what happened to her character. Because obviously, uh, the actress who plays her fired because of some, you know, comments that she made. Um, and so that was a big thing because people were like, well, you know, when she joined, I forgot what, what, what Carl's character's name. Um, what uh yeah she essentially gave her a nice little not send off but she's still out there doing her thing crushing it and so yeah um that was the big thing that was discussed because we haven't heard accidentally steps in a starlight pit that's all we need to like think ahead yeah yeah so i um, think uh yeah yeah, yeah, they they called the starlight the, the daily wire but anyway um so you you've got you've got the you you know obviously things have changed because we look at that we look at that entire place and it's revamped the bar is no longer a bar it's now a school um it's obviously the place has been all cleaned up um there's this, this offering for 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 Dinjarin to to settle and to yeah. have a normal life um and of course he can't do that uh what was interesting was they brought the, they brought the droid back. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, all I think all I think of is when I when I see it is um, Taika Waititi. I, 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 um, oh, IG Eleven. Yeah, IG Eleven. Yeah. Uh, for a brief stint, and um, and then we also had an adorable uh, adorable interaction with Grogu and those those little repair right. guys. Best part of the whole episode. Aha! What are those guys? Um, uh, so wait, what? What? They're like the mechanics. Like what? It, what are they called again? Um, I want to say I have. I feel like I had a Funko that came also with the little guy, uh, and it's great. Um, what is it called? Um, I'm trying to look it up. I know. I don't know. We are definitely bringing some energy and dead air. I know. It's like, it's right like, I was, oh, um, what a little, um, uh, no, those are, those are porgs. It's not the porgs. I'm Googling a little guy. Uh, Bubble Freak. Bubble Freak. Yeah. Bubble Freak. Freak. Okay. I, yeah. Aha. And so like, there's more. That's great. <laughs> the second they come on screen, we're all excited for that. I mean, that's that's what we live for. So that's great. Now, now, now I've I've heard I've heard differing opinions. It's gonna be it's gonna be the um, Star Wars Gate of 2023. Was Grogu eating Skittles or was he eating M and M's? Oh wow! Because I'm what thinking Disney, M&Ms. What does Disney own? What does Disney own or not? <laughs> everything. Own? Everything. The question. Um, yeah, it was Prozac. That's what it was. Um, no, 
No, no, I just I just said that. He's just popping Xanax. He's like, ah, I need <laughs> to relax. And yeah, exactly. And for um, those who don't know, so you said IG Eleven. Um, Taika Watiti voiced IG Eleven um, in was it season one of yep. uh, The Mandalorian? So uh, something that you know, I think we were looking into looking up Baba Freak and you know Grief Karga and Cara Dune, and it's, it's interesting. I, I love I love the uh, the the ba actor backstories behind things. Um, I think it was it was um, Obi Wan where Zach Braff was the one of the drivers of a truck. Remember when he picked up Leia and Obi Wan? And oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. The that that big guy. And I had I had to look it up. The second I saw it, I was like, I you always like knew it was going to be someone, and it was Zach Braff. Um, when oh yeah when the oh, that's when the uh, stormtrooper fell onto the laser fence and split in half right that that's that episode I think so uh, yeah yeah um, I, I I love that kind of stuff I think there's always a really interesting actor or actress behind these cool characters because they can hide and and they all want to do it you know so um, now I will I will tell you like I was I um, I did a watch party on Streamlunch and what happens is since we haven't had Marvel for a while. Um, a group of us, like Marvelous Johnny, Donovan Rose, uh, Will Wilkins, uh, King Watch Sweets, um, we we do like stream launch watch parties for Marvel movie, Marvel shows when they drop, like at three a.m. Eastern time, midnight Pacific. Um, and we were watching the, we were watching the episode, and that the the pirates that wanted to go and 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 go into the um, the bar, which was the school. I, I, I was looking at it. I'm like, why does this guy remind me of like a Power Rangers villain? And it wasn't for whatever reason. This guy reminds me of the villain from um, oh, Galaxy Quest. OK, if you look at the way the face is um, like it was kind of like the, the um, just like the whole face with no nose and stuff like that. Very similar. I couldn't get that out of my head. I don't know why it pulled me out of the episode, but I did. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just like a, like it, it was just it was noticeable. I've never seen a creature in Star Wars that looked like him, and I, and it was it reminded me it reminded me literally of of Galaxy Quest. That's cool. I thought you were gonna say Mystic Quest, but um, another no, great show. no, 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 Galaxy great show. Good. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. But um, but but yeah, and and um, seeing the space whales was amazing. Mm -hmm. um of course that's a that's a throwback to like rebels um one of the things i did hear about a critique of the episode was you know a lot of the mandalorian episodes let's not think of book of boba fett a lot of the mandalorian episodes were, could be looked at they, they were moving the plot along for the whole season but each episode could have been could have been categorized as its own story like its own chapter mm -hmm. um and so like you had of course you had mando looking for um for the for the asset or the child um and like he he has to like learn how to to ride the creature before he can go, even go out there mm -hmm. and then you've got him you know getting the child and coming back and his his ship has been destroyed and so it's an episode about him learning how to rebuild his ship mm -hmm. and like you have all of these different things like there's even even in season two where they're they're trapped on the ice planet and you know grogu's eating the eggs there was still the standalone episode of of um trying to survive the the, the ice spiders and stuff mm -hmm. um but this episode wasn't very it wasn't very standalone in a sense it's it's the first time they've done this and i'm wondering if it's if, if it's kind of going to be 
indicative of the show or if this is just we're just getting things started. We had Book of Boba Fett. We're just trying to get everybody caught up to speed. Mm. Now we're back to the program as usual. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I didn't really even think about that. It wasn't very self-contained. So maybe they, yeah, maybe they are trying to string us along more so than before. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, that's an interesting like observation. I didn't, I didn't think about that when watching it. Um, so yeah, maybe they are doing a change of pace, even though. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. That's going to be interesting. That's an interesting take. Now, I will say, apart from the episode this week, one of the things that I've really appreciated is I, it's I don't and they I, obviously they've let this stuff kind of come out as the show is coming to kind of build up hype um, because again it's it's Mandalorian a lot of people are excited regardless of whether they really advertise mm-hmm. or market um, but there was a lot of these like clips of like Dave Filoni and John Favreau like talking and kind of debating a little bit between themselves um like about star wars and i love that like um there's there's a clip specifically about when did luke become a jedi Mm. and it's like he like like i think filoni says like they're they're arguing that filoni thinks that uh luke only became a jedi after yoda died okay um because there's like a there's like this like back and forth he's like you know you think you you basically you think you've arrived you think you're a jedi um and Hmm. It, it was it was kind of interesting to, to hear them go back and forth because you can see their love for the properties. Yeah, I think that's why it works so well. Um, like it, it's it's like Filoni and Favreau. It reminds me of like Marcus and McFeely from Marvel. Like when you had like mm. you know leading up to Endgame, it was just like this this duo. Like you know Anthony, you know the, the Russos. You know kind mm. of they 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 kind of feed off well with each other, and they definitely had that chemistry. Yeah, I mean, you you don't want people. I think it's the same thing with John Watts and the Spider Man trilogy. You don't want people that are there just to collect a paycheck because then you're gonna get you're gonna get what you asked for uh, at that point. So you want people that are passionate. Filoni is like, I mean, he's a Star Wars god at this point. I mean, what he's done, and he's really for a, an entire generation of fans. He is like their George Lucas. Um, and obviously, John Favreau has has really been another underrated, like underrated director, creator, voice. Because I mean, I think he's underrated probably for people of our age because we remember Swingers and and, and like the movies that he he came from, right? And I, I think that's what we think of. But I think really he is kind of the director of that crew, right? There's Vince Vaughn was the actor; he was the director. Almost like the, the the Matt Damon Ben Affleck relationship, right? Ben Affleck was the director, but also a uh, you know a movie star in his own right. But then mm-hmm. Matt Damon like the actor out of the two. So, um, yeah, I, I think they have some really good people behind these projects, and I think that it's good that they're talking, that they're friendly, and they're con- connected because we all know what can happen to a trilogy or to anything when the directors are disjointed and not working together. Um, and we saw it with last Jedi and then the rise of Skywalker, um, which it's funny. I feel like my opinion, cause I did not like rise of Skywalker when I first saw it, I was like, and I talked to some people and they're like, yeah, it was all the star Wars feels that I ever wanted and blah, blah. blah. And I was like, okay. And I feel like my opinion has aged really well. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people actually didn't like last Jedi originally when it happened. 
And I feel like that's aged a little better because um, it is just different and unique. And Ryan Johnson um, at least created something unique, but also at the same time, it just was like, you talk about being self self-contained. Um, those movies were very self-contained, but as part of a trilogy, they were, it just it did not work. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's good that they are together. They're fans, they're, they're friends. Also they're a creative duo. We need more of that. I mean, that's what Marvel, again, I, we've said it a million times. That's what Marvel does really well. We also develop young talent behind the camera in front of the camera. I mean, they obviously bring in some big guns too, but I think, I think behind the camera more so than anything else, like, you know, I, I didn't know much about the Russos before civil war, um, not civil war before um, winter soldier. And, you know, once they got their footing in Marvel, they're, you know, they're a powerhouse uh, production duo. And so their own company, everything. So I think, same thing with John Watts. I think John Watts was like a like a he was a music director before Spider Man Homecoming. Um, or I got to look that up. He he had yeah. some kind of really small small role before. So I I think if Star Wars can start doing that and get back to their roots, I mean the downside we saw. Look, Han Solo. Some will say, and I don't. I think he came on late, so I don't know if it was truly his movie. But Ron Howard directed that, you know, when it was all said and done, and clearly oh, Ron solo, Howard, solo a Star Wars story. Yeah, and yeah. so that, I mean, that, I feel like that's the. I feel like there's like critical mass points in everything, right? I think that was the critical mass point and the downfall of like they they had so, remember they had so many movies planned, like mm-hmm. after Rogue One, I I think was a success, right? So I think oh yeah yeah. Rogue One was a really good film. It's the story that everyone wanted to know for the longest time. How'd they get the Death Star plans, all this stuff. And so after that, Lucasfilm was going crazy. They were like, Solo's coming out, and then we're going to do this. And I'm sure they were going to do a Lando movie, and they're going to do that. Like, And then after that one, um, really just was just like, Boo! I think they were like, we need to think about this. And now the show's... I think our, there's a mixed bag because Boba Fett, I think, was a little slow for some people. Well, The Mandalorian has been just like epic. Mm-hmm. I think it's good that they are, again, they're they're taking it like a grassroots kind of campaign, I think. You know, they're, the creators are friends. They're talking. They're probably coming up with ideas, shooting the shit, being like, hey, like, we could do this. We could do that. Um, and so I think that's the way to go. And I applaud that. Um, and so that was my long answer for you bringing up the, the feature that they were doing. So, yeah. So it was interesting, like, like uh, kind of coming back and coincide with what you were saying, you know, it was funny when the Russos did um, uh, winter soldier. I, all the, everything I heard everybody say was, Oh yeah. You know, you know, they, they basically did the, uh, the paintball scene in community and this is why they're getting to do winter soldier. And, and I had to go back and watch that. And I was like, Oh yeah, I, that's fun. And that's like, they had like a cinematic quality to it, but of mm. course they did more than that. And it was funny because uh, with Rogue One, my, the, the biggest, the biggest thing that really was a success for me was that ending, how it was so seamless into a new hope. Mm. And um, it's funny because they just came out with something where they're talking about how uh, Filoni was the reason why that scene was the way it was. Like he, he basically directed that scene. Mm. Um, like he would, he was there and he's like, you know, you, you, you put the button in the wrong place. And like, he was like critiquing like every little thing about it. 
And like, you know, again, a super fan. I think that's what works. And you know who me. that sounds like, right? Who? Like what you just described, you know who that sounds like. That sounds exactly like Kevin Feige on the set of X-Men. It's exactly like yeah. Kevin Feige where he's fixing huge. He's like, oh, the spikes are that the hair's not big enough. Like that, that's those are the, you know, the stories like the, 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 the lore that we hear, um, which you can probably Google to see if it's 100% right or not. But like these day and age, it's not like the fireside stories, but like, you know, Kevin Feige is a young producer and he's like an assistant and he's on the set of X-Men and he's like telling Brian Singer, no, 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 no. Like, you know, he's the, the, the hairs, the, the Wolverine spikes have to be bigger. Yeah. And so I think that's exactly what that sounds like. And that is the show of someone who cares about the property and the projects and it yeah. will. We'll and if you even read that book back there, it's so funny because you you can hear from them talking about the um, about that time when they're consulting on these films. Him and Avi Arad were so frustrated because they would give so many like critiques and like suggestions, and the studios would just not listen to them. I'm sure. And yeah. and and you imagine like like Filoni is Filoni is at a point where he is able to do exactly what he wants to do. He's got a guy in his corner with Favreau who is 100% in line with their mentality and where they disagree, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have a friendly debate and argue yeah. with each other. Yeah. Just like two friends, you know, going at something that they love and they're going to come out with, with the best possible scenario for the thing that they love that they both like. And that's, that's what we need. It's not, it's not the oh, studio yeah. heads deciding, you know, we need more of this or we need more of that. It's, 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 it's fans that are, are big. And I think that's, that's like what I said about, um, I say about Marvel a lot is when you have people that are, that are big fans of something they they love, they love what they're doing. The actors are fans, the, the, the writers and the directors are fans. You know, it's great when you hear like, like, what was it? Benedict Cumberbatch was, was going into a comic store dressed as Dr. Strange to buy Dr. Strange nice. comics you know, or, or you hear Elizabeth Olsen just talking about like house of M and like mm. explaining possibilities and everything else. And even as Anthony Mackie, like, like being excited about like the different stuff that's going on and how they're very casual, you know, talking about how much they enjoy being around each other. Um, that, that's what makes it, that's what makes it important. And I, I think, I guess this kind of like segues away from Star Trek, uh, Star Wars a little bit. Sorry, people. Um, but this reminded me of something. Um, you know, we just had Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, Jeff Loveness was the, was the writer for it. Um, and he came out and spoke against what people were saying about how he did MODOK, about how the story went. He was a little bit shocked that people didn't like it. Um, and he was a little bit flippant about MODOK, basically saying there is no way in, you know, whatever, that I would play that character serious. And I was surprised to hear him respond that way and being angry, like actually reacting to fans. It's like you have some people that just kind of like fall off of social media to get away from it, like like Elizabeth Olsen. But he kind of is like responding outwardly about it, whereas people like Jonathan Majors is responding on Twitter and he's basically saying it doesn't change what I feel about myself. And yeah, and, yeah. And it's yeah. like it's that mentality um, and I think that's where a lot of people are complaining right now about phase four and five. We have like writers and directors that maybe aren't as invested as the previous were to make it successful. And, and so there is lack, there's less faith in these people, um, that are doing these films that is now translating into how people are reacting to it. Plus the internet 
and social media and everything else is making people think that they are, you know, armchair critics and and they're going to give their opinions on things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I always come back to, I was, I was working and had to cover Dawn of justice, which is Batman V Superman. And so I think the biggest takeaway that I have from the, the Ben Affleck Batman era, and I know a lot of people like Ben Affleck Batman, um, was I just don't think he was committed to the role. I don't think he wanted to do the role. And I think that whole cast was just weird. It's, that's what happens when you just throw a bunch of people together. I think Cavill was a pretty decent, serviceable Superman. I think we've talked about this in the past. Man of Steel, I think, is a, actually a really good movie, in my opinion. Um, and I think yours as well. But you have a lot of people thrown in there that were just thrown in there. You know, Jesse Eisenberg has a, a, a weird... A weird Tweaky uh, Lex Luthor, um, you know, and I remember just watching interviews because we had to do interviews and some people were like, oh, we, 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 you're, you were good as Lex Luthor, you know, as, that was my take. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. And then you have like the meme of Ben Affleck being like during a junket, like literally like like with Dusty oh. Wynn playing in the background. Um, and that was so good. That, that was so fun. I think that's what happens when you get, throw people there. Um, I think, look, look at Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, the first one. Cara Delevingne, I think, is another one who's gotten a lot better as an actress. Um, I'm not, she's not my favorite or anything like that, but she was, I like, she was horrible in that movie. They were like, oh, we got to throw in this really, you know, popular model slash actress, uh, you know, and she was later in Paper Towns and this, I like. Again, if you just throw people in for the sake of doing it and don't plan it, and they're people that aren't committed to the role and committed to this, and and you know, you're gonna—that's what you're gonna get. And so I think, um, yeah. I think behind the creative, that's what you also need. I think the creative needs to be people that really care about the stuff, that really hold it dear, and you will get good quality things from there. I don't know if I would say like, I think people are look, people are pushing back against Marvel and the current phase one because i think it's just fashionable to do that and it's going to happen and two things are different and new i think the last phase was was a little disjointed um and people have said that but i also think you said this before it will probably come together at some point but i also think it was there it was an error of transition and trying new things um you know the shows was the first time we saw the shows they were like shorts are coming in you know with like Groot and other things like that so they, they were just trying out different things and then you know trying out things for different audiences I think you know Miss Marvel is yeah. a really great example like and I, when I say that for a different audience I don't mean the audience that's from you know um, Pakistani you know heritage or or that area of the world I mean an audience a younger audience um, same thing I think will Spider-Man freshman year will probably be more of that as well and so I think sure. it felt much younger and for a different age group. I enjoyed Miss Marvel. Um, but I could see like young, you know, young girls and young boys, like it resonates more with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they vibe with it more, you know? And so I think, I think Marvel is trying things out and I think you have to do that when you're on top, if you don't and just like hold to your laurels and stuff, you're going to eventually before you know it, you're like blink and then, you know, whether DC's out in front or, you know, whatever. So, um, I think we have to wait, continue to wait, see what happens. If we have a string of like, subpar movies i didn't think quantum mania was that bad um 
No, I think I think it got a lot of hate for no reason. I think. Yeah, I thought it was pretty solid. And then then I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this as as the most conservative as I can. It's a mid tier Marvel film. Yeah, I I hate using the word mid because of it, but but even mid doesn't mean a bad thing. It's just, you know, it was it was it was a it was a typical Ant Man film. It was, you know, it put a story along. It's it didn't it didn't shake me or stir me like let's say Wakanda Forever did. Um, or even no way home. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was still an enjoyable film. It was something that, you know, is going to move the story along and, um, it's not, it's not at the low end. It's not the high end of, of my preferences of films, but I enjoyed it. And yeah. I think that's where people have to kind of come to. And I, I told this to Will Wilkins the other day, I said, you know, I think a lot of these films get a lot of hate because there's not other studios making Marvel films terribly. And whereas Marvel was always the better film of, let's yeah. say, whatever's out there, we have hope for DC. We have we have all of the properties with Marvel, and so they are going to be criticized more because they 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 have got to now up the ante a little bit in the terms of you know just keeping continuity. And I think you know it's one of those things where you know they'll get it and they're going to understand it and they're going to work it out. And yeah. fans just have to be patient. I mean, look, human nature is to hate. Look, why did why does why do people so many people hate the Patriots? Well, not some. I mean, I don't. The last couple of years, do I don't we know have time to list all the reasons? Yeah, but I mean, like again, like aside from Bill Belichick and and things like that, but like you know, I was a fan in the '90s of, of the Bulls, but I, there was a lot of people that didn't like Chicago when Jordan was like on top. Like I think that's just like it's just human nature. You always root for when the Lakers are winning. I was not a Kobe fan. Um, later on i respect his game you know like i think I, I think when you see dynasties and things like that you're kind of like you know you root for the underdog. i think if i take it back to like i'm not gonna curse but i take it back to like i remember when dune came out i didn't like dune i mean i'm throwing this right out there denny villeneuve i was like talking so much smack about marvel and that whatever and it, it felt like a a media grab to me and i <laughs> look he's gonna make a knock to make his movie even bigger. I thought Dune was boring. My wife fell asleep. I thought, whatever. I know it's rated really high. Great. Um, I think I, I, I think a lot of things about it. I'm not going to go on a tangent um, about it, whatever. The acting was, was solid, but it was just kind of was like, whatever. But um, everyone's going to poke at the bear because they need to drive headlines or drive. It's the world we live in. Um, I've, I've, I'm going to make a confession. I've never been able to sit through Blade Runner. The which one? The, the first one? Oh wow. Yeah, I mean again, it's a choir taste, right? But I you don't have like I don't think you have Ryan Gosling coming out and talking trash about like I don't know, Star Wars. You know, like I think I think people yeah. like and that's I lost all respect for when that when that I mean I know people are gonna put on the spot in interviews and stuff like that, but it was kind of like the Zack Snyder comment about Marvel too when um when Dawn of Justice came out and he what he called ant-man like flavor of the week because the first ant-man was coming around that time he's like this is not the flavor of the week this is batman superman the iconic i mean and and sure uh, like a hundred percent batman and superman are you know and that's fun and and whatever then i think sebastian stan talked trash back and like i mean like whatever um i think this is human nature it's gonna happen and i also think look they've set such a precedent before endgame was you know like an error defining film um, and I think it's really hard to 
stay at that level. And I don't think it's sustainable. I think, you know, and so I think they are, they're trying things out. There's going to be shortfalls along the way. Some shows won't work. Some shows will work and they're going to have to find their footing, but it's good. They're trying now because they have to try different things. They can't just, they could have done phase four and literally just done everything the same way and been like, the shows aren't Canon and, you know, we're just going to throw stuff out there. That's fun. Like, you know, whatever they need to try different things out now. If they would, if you wait, if you wait before you have to, if you wait until you have to do it, it's already too late. And so I think you need to try it now. All fans are on board and you know, whatever their goals are, I'm sure they have great, this is a billion dollar company. I'm sure they got great goals and they have everything planned out, you know? So I, I think they'll be fine. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've done it under two hours, which I think is a, is a, a good way to end the this, this show. Um, so overall, um, are you excited for more at Mandalorian? That's all I'm going to ask you. Yeah. So we went down a rabbit hole of craziness. <laughs> I, of course I am. I mean, look, it's, it, I will say like the cool thing about Mandalorian is that in just two seasons with Grogu and with Din Djarin, um, I just butchered his name, but, um, they've built like this real estate in our heads. Like, we're such favorites and such fans. Yeah. Like it feels like Grogu has been, I mean, the guy had a, uh, I'm looking over there. It's not, it's, it's in my wife's office. Like the, they made a Funko of the Grogu Macy day per Bay parade balloon. So it's not even of Grogu. It's of the balloon that was, with, and, there's hand, and there's handlers for the grow, like in the Funko, there's little mini handlers for the balloon. Like it yeah. is such like a piece of like our culture now. And so, yeah. I mean, Pedro can do no wrong. Uh, he is. Like, he's on a roll. Goodness. He's also just a great actor. Um, I, last thing I'll say about him, and then I'm going to shut up, and then we can close it out. Um, if you are a Pedro Pascal fan, um, the Nicolas Cage movie that he's in, um, is it like the weight of ex- amazing extraordinary brand. talent or something. Yeah. yeah, he's fantastic, <laughs> and that's another one like. It's this, it's a whole satire about Nicolas Cage and it's fun and so I think, you know, just I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I'll be watching every week. Uh, I think, who doesn't like the Mandalorian? You know, so yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, it is uh, it is uh, again Friday the third. We are done. It's episode thirteen in the books. We will catch you guys in next week for nerd news, and then in two weeks, and we are getting so close to uh, to C two E two. I can taste it. Um, so please remember, um, we will be at C2E2. Um, we will be actually at booth 1742. If you are going to Chicago for the event on March 31st, April 2nd, please stop by. Um, we'll have cool swag. And if you'd Mm -hmm. love to get like a hat or something, you're going to got to do an interview with us. Um, so by all means, we want to, we want to hear your nerd origin stories and make you, you know, part of, uh, I guess our news. Um, also if you, I, I don't have a, a link for this, but, um, you can also track us now on Google news. Uh, so if you go to Google, uh, news.google.com, or if you pull up the Google news app, um, you can actually pull up nerd initiative as a source and, um, you can definitely follow us that way. And it'll also bring you to our, Do we have a merch store, you know, we really should get on that. You know, absolutely. We do have a merch store. Uh, okay. uh, please check out, check out our merch. Uh, if you want to show off that swag, we would love uh, to see pictures of you. And like Michael said, we will post those pictures um, and tag you in it. So I guess free, uh, free boosting uh, that way. Uh, all you got to do is uh, pay the piper, pay the instant piper. cloud, instant cloud. 
Exactly. Um, And then also, if you weren't already aware, please be sure to catch the Comic Press podcast Uh, Mm -hmm. next week. um, The whole new episode, I believe uh, Longbox Entertainment is going to be on with uh, with uh, JJ. Um, I know they'd love to see you. And then on top of that, we also want to remind you that if you like the show, you can get in other forms. Fandoms Mm -hmm. and the Comic Press podcast are available in podcast form. That way, while you're driving to work or while you're doing your Monday tasks, you can sit and listen to us wax eloquent for hours on end. And if you're uh, having trouble sleeping, put on our three hour episode from two weeks ago. It will knock you right out. You don't need melatonin or anything like that. You'll be good to go. And uh, if you like the nerd news and you want to have that as well, nerd news is attached to the fandoms um, feed. So um, not only will you get the fandoms episodes um, like this week, you will also get the nerd news episodes the next week. Um, So you get two for one there, Um, but also anywhere you get podcasts. Um, And we would definitely appreciate if you would follow us um, on the comic press podcast or even on fandoms on Spotify, because that's where we get the, that's where we get the real business. So, um, we would appreciate that. Follow us on Spotify if you can. And wait, um, wait, do we have a merch store before we go? Uh, you know what? I don't think we do. Uh, wait, wait, yeah, we do right here. Um, be go. sure to catch that, catch that, uh, yeah, that merch store. <laughs> and just to, just in case we didn't make it Does busy enough on oh, here, man. also go ahead and follow, uh, check us out on the Braid Network. Um, oh, it does work. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you can definitely um, oh, look. It's right there. Someone scanned the barcode, but it, I think I only only we can see that. So that's awesome. Sorry, I'm giving you guys a backseat and play by play. Yep. So, uh, so by all means, uh, catch us then. Uh, we're 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 just wasting time now until it gets to two hours. Um, no, but um, I'm Tony. This has been Michael, and we are so glad to have you on. Catch us next episode, and we'll see you then.